0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. When it comes to the last rites, when it comes to avelus, that is really, in a way, the most dignified thing that we can do for someone is to mourn them properly and to appreciate who they were. And, and that wasn't going to be allowed. And that, I think, was, uh, which you're right, Enoch, nobody was trying to abolish slavery. And slavery or indentured servitude, whatever the proper word is, was something that wasn't going to be eliminated. But I think here is where it was running into humanity uh, and feeling and emotion. And halacha was navigating and saying, no, there's certain things that can be done, certain things that can't be done. Uh I, I, I know it's it's not really about reading the Talmud, but I feel before we leave this subject, I, I just would like to show you two items uh, on this. One is uh, from Nachmanides, from the Ramban. So uh, I sent it as a, an attachment to today's email. And this is Nachmanides. We've talked about, I, I've tried, not to overload in these fundamental classes, uh, you know, Rishonim, Akronim, Mafarshim. I've tried to zero in on important ones in, in order to realize what play th- what role they play. Uh, Nachmanides, I mentioned him before as a defender of Afasi, of, of, of the Rif. Um, this is a book that he wrote not as a defense, this is a piece of a book that I believe is unfortunately neglected. Of course, here you see Ramban, that stands for Rabbeinu Moshe ben Nachman. And the name
1: of the book, as you can see on the opposite side of the page, is Torah Ha'odom. <laughs> Big title,
0: the Torah. The, the, uh, the laws and directions about what it means to be a human. You could say that could be everything. What it means here, it's actually a play on the word, zos toras adam uh, adom kiyomus ba'ohil. That's what it's based on. It's really based on the idea of illness, treating illness and hopefully curing illness. And unfortunately, when illness isn't cured. How society deals with death, and it is a uh, a book. Uh, I have a copy that I'm holding here, um, and it's it's contained in the Kisve Ramban uh, that was printed by Moshe Cook and edited by uh, the, uh, the the scholar, really one of the great scholars, uh, Chaim Dov Shevel. Um The book. The Torah Sa'od, I'm just reading, I'm just how many pages it is. It is 311 pages. <laughs> that's a big book for uh, a, a Rishon to write. 311 pages. And it is unfortunately, that's uh, about 300 pages, actually. So it's it's, it's it's a book that's been ignored. And it's a, re, it's a place to go to. Maybe because the subject matter um, is not that fun to read his student by the way Nachmanides student was called Shlomo ben Benaddaras Nachmanides lived in Barcelona and had a, a, an incredible yeshiva there one of his his prime student was the Rashba uh, Shlomo benaddaras uh, his book is called Torahs Habayas. Torahs Habayas which is all the laws of how to run a Jewish home. It's all the principles that we call Yoridea about kashrut, nida, uh, uh, a whole gamut. It is an incredible book. And
2: Excuse me, Rabbi. Yes. Is that, was he the original Adaret that ra- later on in the 1800s you had the Adaret?
0: Yeah, all right. So that, that, that is... Is a that good, the same family? No, the, okay. uh, it's a good question though. Uh, the Rashba was Shlomo. Again, it seems like in Spain, a deret was a, which of course means a cloak. An deret is a cloak like Elisha, uh, uh, picks up the cloak that was dropped by Eliyahu. It's, a, it's a, a cloak that I guess uh, indicates a type of rabbinic personage. And Maybe that's why it became a a, a name for Jews to have aderet. Uh, I know Rabbi Tites has a granddaughter called Aderet as well. But and and part of the reason is is because Rabbi Taitz is a relative of who Henoch is talking about. That's Eliyahu David Rabinovich Teumim. And that was a, a, a rabbi. Uh, you're right. Who lived and who, who was very active, writer and scholar at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. And, uh, he, the, he, as sort of a stylistic flourish, he took the letters of his name and created a, a, a title for him. He was the, known as the Adaris, Eliohu, David, Rabinovich, to Umim. Uh, yeah,
2: and also, uh, just a point, uh, Eliyahu Tites was, named after
0: the Adderit. Yes, that is also true. Yes, they're very proud of that. And and he is one of my heroes at the Adderit. His 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 daughter uh, married Rav Kook uh, Zatzal, and then unfortunately she died. But Rav Kook's first father-in-law was uh, Elio David Rabinowitz Tumim, and they had a very strong relationship. And Rav Kook, uh, uh, didn't need Rav Kook but Rav Kook did a lot in his lifetime to promote the ideas of the Aderet. But that is a 19th century, 20th century rabbi slash posseg slash autodidact, incredible human being. I'm talking about here in the, uh, uh, and, and it's a good question because names sometimes get confusing. I'm talking about uh, a, a 13th century uh, hero of halacha uh, we have more response from him than almost any of the other. We showed him that Shlomo ben Aderet. his Rebbe was Ramban, was Nachmanides, the Parshan on Chumash, and the one who wrote the Mohammed Hashem that we've spoken about. Nachmanides had the idea of writing a book that collected, like I said, the Torah of a person on on the slippery slope downward. By the way, there's also a, a, the end of the book is one of the most glorious and expansive descriptions of what the world to come is, what Tcheis is. So it's really an incredible book. Halacha, Ashkafa, I recommend it highly that people should should look into it. His student had a more practical book, but it showed you that these this Spanish school was trying already to create books that would collect halacha, in a way that people could turn to, in a topical fashion. As opposed to Alfasi, who we've spoken about, what he did was he condensed the Talmudic discussions and extracted the laws that come out from them. So it's sort of unwieldy a book to find what the law is. You sort of have to figure out where it is in the Gemara. Because remember, getting from the Gemara to Halacha was never an easy task. So, and, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. One way was, like I said, we we, we once spent a class showing the different on the sides of the Gemara, as I showed you. You remember I did this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, who this is, like this is a way to find the halacha from the Gemara. But Nachmanides, what he decided to do was was say, well, if somebody is interested in the laws of illness, if someone wants to find the laws of Avelis, of how to deal with the sick, how to visit the bereaved, I'm going to to collect the Talmudic, Midrashic statements, and I am going to analyze them, and you can use my book as a guide. That is the book, Tauras Ha'adam. Okay, so since we've been dealing with the issue of how to mourn properly someone in our society who is of a different caste of an Eved, the Ramban is a good place to look. And he actually, he he dedicates uh, a chapter to that. Not a chapter, but at least a a decent paragraph to that. So this is from Ramban's Torah Sa'odam. And you can see, uh, one of the advantages, of course, of using books like this is that they don't have the... They're not as scary as a a, a Talmud page. They're not as scary as a page of the Talmud. Uh, You don't have the Rashi script. It's not as busy. Here you have, of course, the Ramban's words. And since this was something that was done in the 20th century, you can see the footnotes and you can see the, the longer notes down here to help you through the book, all right? What I'm interested in is what does Nachmanides, who who had to, who was an expert uh, in this area because he wrote a book about it, what is Nachmanides going to tell us about this? So I look and I, I I I found again. How did I find it? That's another question. <clears throat> but good. I I had to do some research to find the section where Nachmanides speaks about what we've been speaking about, where Nachmanides comments on what we've been studying. The first thing Nachmanides does is quote our Mishnah, and you can see in black letters here, he quotes our Mishnah, <clears throat> he quotes the Braita.
1: here's that Tana Rabanan here,
0: Tana Rabanan. um he quotes what we were studying yesterday about what you don't give to the uh, vodim. uh he quotes after the that bright he quotes the funny story
1: with Eliezer ben Hurkinus and the students after he does that
0: He mentions, again, that very broad statement, what you say to
1: someone who's lost a slave. And then he mentions the last thing we studied yesterday.
0: Havodim vashvachot lo Alehem, they do not get a eulogy. lo omrim alehem, and this is what we saw, the last thing we did yesterday. Even when they get older and you want to refer to them, don't call them mammy, don't call them dad, don't call them mom, don't use the affectionate terminology that you might want to apply to an older person who deserves his respect or who has raised you. Don't apply those terms to them. After he's quoted, all the statements, and he put them together in a logical sequence, now the Ramban begins his commentary. The first word the Ramban uses here is Mistabra. Mistabra is a word that is
1: Aramaic. Uh, It's used by quite a bit. Mistabra means it's logical. Logic tells me, from Svaro,
0: the Ramban is saying, Gamliel said special exceptions can be made. He says, we don't pasken like Gamliel. Why? Because the Ramban disagreed. And they said no exceptions. Gamliel wanted to make an exception for Tavi. Nachmanides understood, Ramban understood that the rabbanan were standing firm. Now, of course, he's Gamliel, right? He's like the president. <laughs> you can't stop him from what he's doing. And posterity um, gave us a record of Gamliel's point. But Nachmanides wants us to know, just to be honest, that the Alocha wouldn't follow him. The Alocha would not follow him We're not going to let any chinks in the armor develop. That's one statement Nachmanides makes. The next
1: statement is a question that he has. Ani tama.
0: I am in wonder. Ani tama. I'm wondering. What is he wondering? Tama is more than just a wonder. Tama is, I'm really bothered i am bewildered almost like you you find the Rishonim use this term tema like i i, I tema look i'm getting I'm putting a lot of color into this word yeah i really this bothers me what bothers it Almasha amarnu this that we have said that i've just quoted what did he just quote ein omdim aleim bishura we talked about what that meant. That was, remember, at the cemetery, making the two rows. Ain omer maleem birchata That's what the Ramban has a problem with. Why would you need, that's what he says, why would you need to tell people in their pain over their lost good friend, their lost evid, their lost shivcha, why would you need to rule? Now, remember, do not do the special benching for an Ovel. V'chi Avelus Is there real Avelut, which has to do with the pain you feel for a relative? Baruch Menachem Avelim? Because the bracha would be Ovel, God should give you Nachama, God will give you the, uh, the comfort to see the world differently. Who's the Avil? Now you might remember when I described this. Maybe they have children. This was what Avrami was talking about. They might. They might have children. These avodim. As I said, the cruel reality was. Hello, hello is isn't it not true? Ein lehem chayus. They have biological children, but they are not considered really children that have a genetic connection halachically. <laughs> Biologically in genes, yes, but in terms of halachically, they're not considered their child. And therefore, when the Torah writes about uh, uh, who you become tamay to, it uses the word share. Eid behem she'er, right? That's what the Pesach says in Parshas Emor when it speaks about becoming Tameh, right? It says, el she'er b'saro, when it talks in the beginning of Parshas Emor about a koin becoming Tameh. What does it say? L'nefesh lo yitame ba'amav ki'im l'she'ero ha'karove lov. She'er is the term for a relative, halachically, a wife becomes a she'er when she marries her husband. It means meat, it means flesh, but it also, the Ramban assumes it's got to be a halachic, sanctioned relationship. The Evid doesn't have that. Ein behem she'er, kalal. Kalal means at all. They don't have that type of relationship at all. And to the point, she is abu krovim aleim that they have any relatives who are
1: have the laws of aveilus. That was the ramban's question. The ramban is going to give an answer now. All right. Let's take a look at the ramban's answer.
0: Reisi your now, I am teaching your every night. Hedach knows. He's one of our Talmudim. Sheila's also been one of our Talmidot. The Yerushalmi is, especially what we're learning, we're learning Paya, which there's no Gemara on, there's no uh, Bavli on. But it's not standard practice. When you study the Talmud Bavli, which is what this is, fundamentals of the Talmud. The Talmud
1: means Talmud Bavli, um, and 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 that's not going to change. I, I am I would be the happiest person in the
0: world if there'd be more people like myself teaching and studying and spreading the learning of the Yerushalmi. But the Yershalmi is is still
1: ignored. For most, it's a place people look at for
0: alternatives, for answers, but it's not a starting point. So, for example, this is this section that we've been studying that the Ramban has made a synopsis for us is from the Talmud of Brochot,
1: the Yershalmi Brochot. A person who does dafyomi, a person who went through. Sh- Okay, the Rishonim who introduced
0: the Yershalmi uh, introduced it. The Rishonim introduced the Yershalmi because they couldn't find the answers in the Bavli. It becomes almost like, well, I'll look into the Yershalmi if, 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 if I'm flustered. It isn't, it, it does, it's not equal. And and because it's not equal, it doesn't show up. But when it does show up, I think we've got to take note of it. It, it turns out that the Yerushalmi, of course, has been ignored. And because it's been ignored, it's a much more difficult book to read because we have less interpretations of the Yerushalmi. It's a, it's a sad, uh, it's sad. There, were, there have been some theories that the Yerushalmi is an unfinished book. Unlike the Bavli that was studied and edited, the Talmud of Israel, and again, Yerushalmi is a misnomer. It didn't start in Jerusalem. It didn't start from Yerushalayim. When the Talmud Yerushalmi is put together, Torah life wasn't happening in Jerusalem. It was happening in the northern part of Eretz Yisrael in other cities, but in order to honor something that they decided to give it that name, the Yerushalmi. What does it say in that text? It says, "Shehikshu al Tanhumim shekibo The Yerushalmi asked, "What was Gamliel accepting Tanchumim?" What was he accepting? What was, he says even if the Tavi had been a free person that had been a very close friend or had been working for him? If you have a close friend, no matter how close you are, you don't sit Shiva your Shalmi is asking. Lo koshkein Alavodim Koshkein is here wouldn't it not all the more so be true where he's not related to you and he's also an Eved, which has halachic issues. So the Yishalmi is asking the question
1: and the Yishalmi's answer is a very important one. When there's
0: someone who you feel is like a son to you. And now let's reverse it. Someone you feel is like a daughter. Someone you feel is like a mother. Someone you feel is like a father. It would be proper to sit Shiva. This is what I told you the debate that I had in Houston with the other rabbi. The Ramban says when you have someone that your relationship is like a son. You sit. You can sit shiva for them. Maybe you need to sit shiva for them. That's the Yershalmi's answer why Gamliel was Makabotan on because Tavi was like his son. That's one answer based on the Yershalmi. The Ramban now has two other answers to the question. Let's not lose track here. What did excuse I do today? Me,
2: excuse me, Rabbi. Who, in the name of who is this Gemara?
0: Who says this? Okay, this is the Ramban's learning of the Yershalmi. Let, 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 let me explain what we've done. We studied the Talmud page. We saw what the issues were. We turned to an a book written by one of the Rishonim, Nachmanides, on these issues. And on these issues, he gets to the heart of an essential question that this that comes out of this Gemara, which is, why would you even think to sit Shiva on someone you're not related to? And he gives three, and he's going to give three answers. The first answer we saw,
1: the first answer is yes, when you have developed a relation with someone and that person is like your child. That's a good question. You could, Debbie is saying,
0: if this is true, how about a non-Jew? A non-Jew who never, who, and, and of I would say yes. Because remember, again, it's it's your pain. We we sort of get the idea that Shiva is for the 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 person who died, and there is Kabbalistic. Uh, support for that, that the person is sort of floating in the house where he lived. In fact, Rebel Yoshev Zatzal said that when we say yenachem eschem, even though it's only one hovel, it's because we're including the person who died. So there is this idea, you're visiting the mourner, but you're also connecting to the person the person is mourning about. That person is there with the mourner. That's why we say God should give you comfort in plural, etchem, Hamakum yenachem etchem, betoch shar hevei So there is this idea of the person who's not here. But on a primary level, it's for the person who's in pain. So to answer your question, Debbie, right, that's a very good jump. If you're going to sit Shiva for someone, what, what should it make a difference who that person's religion is? We know that you had a father-son relationship to this person. You could sit Shiva even on a non-Jew. And I think that's a good point. That's the first answer of Ramban. Let's see the second. Now, that answer is an answer that has the pedigree of his reading of the Yerushalmi. The next two answers he offers as possibilities. And the fact that he even gives them as answers is is a proof that the Yershalmi is not a definitive halachic source for him. Otherwise, he should just stop. <laughs> if that's what the Yershalmi says, okay, it's over. That's not what he does. He puts the Yershalmi first and then gives two other answers, which sort of shows Yershalmi is taking a back seat to in, in, in halacha to the Bavli. Because he's going to give two other answers. Let's see what he says. Efsher maybe. Efsher means maybe. She'shanu af birchas mipnei Okay, this is a little bit of a technical answer. You're not going to like it because there's not big philosophy behind it. What was the question? How did the question begin? The question began, I I, I, I bolded it for you up here. V'ani What's going on about Avelus? What do you mean, birchas avilus? That we don't make a bracha? There's no avil here. Uh, you know what? We didn't mean to say that. The Ramban is saying sheshanu. Even though it said in the B'righta, shanu means in the Mishnah language, in the Braita language, it used the word ein It really was non. It wasn't exact. It was not. Written in an exact way, what they wanted to say was there's no hesped, right? They wanted to say there's no tanhumim, but the word avil was wrong. We want we what we meant really to say was we don't do nechama to you, but not that we would say menachem avil, not that we would call you an avil. And the fact that it was written there is because it's it's a unit. Because for a standard Jew, for a standard normative Jew, there would be the whole nine yards. There'd be a Suda Savra, there'd be a Hespid, there'd be Shura, and there'd be birchas HaSavelev. So we what we really wanted to say is, whatever could have been applicable to him, we do not apply. And therefore, sort of like accidentally, the Talmud mentioned something. The Brisa mentioned one of the terms that was really incorrect to mention. We are all guilty of this whenever we talk, right? And the people who who jump on us, we say, "Don't be so ticky-tacky." That's the first answer of the Ramban. Yeah, okay, I know. Birchas aveilim really doesn't make sense, but it's more the other stuff. But because we're mentioning the other stuff, birchas aveilim. Crept in, even though it's inexact and it's in, it's improper to say. But really, a, 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 an evid does not have an ovil, and there wasn't ever a Havamina to think that there's really an ovil here. That's his second answer, and that's an Efscher answer. <laughs> now comes the third answer, and that starts with another word, Shema. Maybe there's Efscher and Shema. Now I I'm not enough of a. I guess I'm not smart enough to know which one is stronger than the other. I'm going to say Efsher is stronger than Shema. Efsher is, yeah, you could say it. Shema means, maybe you could say this. Efsher means, yeah, it's a good possibility. I don't know if it's 100% true. It's a good possibility. Shema means, maybe this one. Shema is, I think, the answer he's the least comfortable with which is the one that might be the most logical but in our mind, but in Nachmanides' mind, he was the least comfortable with. And what was that? Shema nomar. Maybe you could say. That's another term that he's sort of like hedging his bets. Shema nomar. Maybe you could say shema nomar. The afal P. that's again, Rashi Tevos, even though she'en le'hem shear They don't have halachic relatives. Their son can be sold from under them. They don't have a din of teaching their son Torah. If an Eved has a a biological baby boy, he doesn't have to make sure that boy gets
1: a bris. Ein Lem She'er. That's L'inyan Yuchasin.
0: That's as far as most relationships, halachic relationships, go. But as far as Aveilut goes, mit Ablinhein, the laws of Aveilut are bigger. And that has to do with what I was trying to tell you yesterday: that Aveilut is meta halacha. Aveilut is the reality that this is his father. And this is his mother. So the Evid has children. And even though they are keenly aware that they are not halachic children like the master's children, but Avelut has to do with emotion and feeling and the knowledge, of course, that this is their father and mother and the fact that their father and mother raised them. That's the third answer of the Ramban, which he's the least sure of. Now I should tell you, Nahm, the Maimonides in the Morin of says that one of the reasons why the Kohain makes himself Tame for these relatives. Normally a Kohain is it's 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 a big aveira to be become Tame. It's a. It's you're over a big. You're over an asse and a lot assay. A kohen is over an Asse and a lot assay. Sorry for the gardening that's going on outside, but a kohen. It's a kohen is user to make himself tame. And yet we lift that isur, and we actually encourage the kohen becoming tame when it comes to his relatives. It's a very strange thing. So Maimonides, the Rambam says, that that's to show you that there are certain things that are beyond halakhic legislation. It wouldn't work, the Rambam says. If we would have told a Kohen, you've got to keep your Kedushah, you can't be Tame even to your relatives, it would break down. There's an essential connection that we have with our family that's bigger even than the halachic reality that God imbues our souls with. The souls of a Kohen we say he, are different in a sense than the souls of a Yisrael. He can do things. He can do avod in the Beit HaMikdash. He can bring God into the world with Korbonos where the greatest Yisrael cannot do that. Yisrael can't do Kabola, can't do zrika, he can't do haktara. So obviously God has decreed that there's something special about the Kohanim. And yet there's something beyond that specialty. And that is their humanity, their innate humanity, and Avelut is tied into innate humanity. So yes, maybe a a Kohen could say, Baruch Hashem, I'm a Kohen, and you're not. Baruch Hashem, I'm an Eved, and you're not. But I'm a human being who was spawned by a father and
2: mother, and I have brothers and sisters. Rabbi, excuse excuse me. Don't we say that what we learned at the beginning of uh, Parshas Nishpatim, that we go that hukim you can't uh, you can't question uh, if you if you justify something whether it's emotional or not that that's not the way you follow halacha. Like in this case. You're justifying, it makes sense. But you have to take the whole Torah. You have to take even the chukim. But here is something that makes sense. So you you can't base the Torah on something that makes sense.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is, Hanach, okay, let's let's see what, what, let me take you back a step. God already made this exception. You're right, we can't make exceptions to chukim we can't decide in this situation it's better to drive to Shul on Shabbos because otherwise the kid is never going to grow up and know what Judaism is, right? We, right. A, a person's about Shuva and he says, the only way I can get to Shul is if I drive a Machal Shabbos to get there. But if I don't go right. to Shul, I'm not going to know what it is to be a Jew. You know what? Right. I'm going to drive to Shul because otherwise I'm going to not be Jewish. Right. That would be, I, I would never tell a person to do that. It might it would be a very, you'd have big shoulders to say that, but you're right, at Shabbos, you can't say I'm going to be Machal Shabbos because I think it's the right thing to do, right? Because who says going to shul is about being a Jew? Who says, right? So you're right, there, the chok, there's a chok. But here, God himself made that exception. God himself made that exception. And Debbie points out, it's an essay, a low essay, it's both
1: here. God said, "Kohenim, you go.
2: Because it, may, it makes total sense that the Kohanim should be a uh, 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 tar when it comes to burying their, their immediate family. That makes sense.
0: Okay, correct. But the Torah made the exception already. It wasn't some rabbi who decided it. God decided it. God demanded right. it. God demanded that the Kohanim become Tame. The Kohen Gadol knows. So therefore, Nahm, Maimonides had a, a problem. The Rambam had to figure out, what is this exception doing here? And and therefore, what came to what the Rambam was that Avelus is different. Clearly, when it comes to the idea of becoming Tome, which means getting involved with the body, being there when he dies, helping put the body in the ground, all the things that create Tuma, those things need to be suspended for the Koei. The Koei needs to be able to do that because that answers a basic human need to mourn, to connect. And if you take that away, it's not going to work. It's, it's, a law that, it's a law that God himself knew. He created us, and he knew we were going to be social beings. Now, again, I didn't want to get into this. Again, the first thing that came to my mind was this idea of of driving on Shabbos. Inviting people for Shabbos is another question uh, about that. If this is the way, if they'd be driving anyway, I was talking about the individual who decides on his own. He lives three hour. He lives an hour and a half walk away, and he says, "I'm going to drive to Shul." That's a little bit different than the Debbie was asking. That we know that there are many people who are involved in Kiruv that invite people to come, and even though they know they're going to drive on Shabbos. And that's really a separate issue because, and part of the halachic rationale for that is because they probably would be driving anyway. And if they're driving anyway, they come to your house, maybe they'll stay for the whole Shabbos. So those are, and this way, as Debbie says, this way there's a chance of them becoming religious in the future, and otherwise how are you ever going to be Makariv people so that's on the Mecharev. But if you have the person himself who's sitting there and he, he comes back from Israel and he says, I want to keep Shabbat, but the only place I could hear the Torah reading is, 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 is five miles away and I live in Arizona where it's so hot I can't walk. I'm going to drive. That, that would, to me, you couldn't make that decision yourself. But here God made the decision and said, Kohanim, you're going to become Tomei. So that, I think, is in line with what Nachmanides has said. You're right, they're not related based on the Torah system. The Torah system is they are not related. These, the brothers and sisters aren't really relatives halakhically. And the father and son are not really father and son the same way other fathers and sons are. But when it comes to Avelus, Avelus is different. Now, one of the students of, uh, he never studied by Nachmanides, but he studied Nachmanides' works very uh, uh, intensely. And was his name was Rabbi David Hakohavi. I don't have time to get into him, but he adapts Nach- Ma- Maimonides' idea to another law in the Torah, which is also, on the surface,
1: very strange, which is that if someone accidentally,
0: let's say he's, he's working on a roof and slips off the roof and falls on top and lands on somebody and kills that person, because he didn't take the the safe measures he should have to put up some borders that he wouldn't fall, or didn't have whatever reason, he didn't have his, his belt tied properly, whatever it was, he is now treated as a rotzeach, as a murderer. And we all know the law that he's supposed to go into the city of refuge. But there's another law with that. And that is that the relative of the victim has the right to kill that person he has the right to basically kill him what we call cold blood if the person leaves the city of refuge the person is it can be killed now that's a murder okay stop it was an, again the guy was a uh, he should have taken a stronger measures in terms of what he did but he should have Right? How can you call him? How can you call him a rotsayach to the point of 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 allowing murder, uh, one murder and another murder? So Dovid Kochavi says it's an extension of this principle. There are certain things that can't be legislated. Again, this is sort of what hanach slippery slope. But it's in the Torah. The Torah says that you can. In fact, there's an opinion in the Gemara in Makot. And Makos, that it's a mitzvah for the guy to kill him. It's a mitzvah to kill to kill the the the, the accidental murderer. Like I don't like you using the word accident because it's not really an accident, but it's he, the unintentional murderer. There's a mitzvah to kill him, according to one opinion. A mitzvah, a allowance. It would seem to fly in the face of what halacha demands other places. So Dovara Hakochavai says. It's an example of this principle. There's certain things, which means, and again, it's a very dangerous thing that he's saying, but you can see the evidence is there. God could not legislate against this. God could not legislate against the, the, this vengeance being taken. It was so. In,
1: it's so part of the system. There's no way that brother could ever. Uh,
0: forgive the guy on the roof. He's going to play over and over. Why couldn't the guy put borders up? Why didn't the guy have his belt on tighter? Why didn't he put up a sign, caution, men working? He'll never forgive the guy. And not only will he never forgive the guy, he, he is going to want to eliminate that person from the world. And that's something which God knew couldn't be stopped. Now I, I don't. I'm not necessarily saying I subscribe to it, but that's what David Akokhavi, basing himself on this, on these things that we see in the Torah, wants to say. The only thing I'm going to say, and I will end with this, and I think it's a nice message. You know, um, I, uh, we know that in that law of the unintentional murderer, um, there's one thing that that allows him to go free. And once he goes free, the brother of the victim has no right to touch him. And if the brother touches him and injures him, the brother will be punished. The brother will be taken to court and treated as a murderer. And that's, of course, when the Cohen Godel dies. When the Cohen Godel dies, that stops the situation. Now, bear with me for a minute. Again, I'm going to use something from Maimonides to explain this. Why is it that the death of the Kohen Godot somehow stops this situation? It's, it's so real and so dr- drastic that the Torah bend the laws of murder and realize that that's what's going to be. In fact, the Torah uses the emotion of the brother as a way to make sure you're going to stay in the city of refuge. So how does that suddenly change when the Kohen Gadol dies? What happens to the passion of the brother? So the Rambam in Marnabuchim explains this. And I think this is a good message to end. We're not going to be learning tomorrow, so I think it's a good message to end. Um, the, the, The Rambam says that, think about it. It doesn't say the Navi dies. It doesn't say the Melech dies, the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol was the most beloved figure in in the Jewish in, in, in Yisrael. He was beloved because everyone knew he went in on Yom Kippur and they knew what his job was, was to beg for the life of the Jews, to do vidui for us, to send the sarah to send the he-goat the, the he out. The Kohen was not looked at as the melech who was in charge of the country. He wasn't the novi who was God's agent to tell us what we're doing wrong. He was the one we loved. He, when he went in on 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 the Kaddish Akdashim, it was like we
1: were going in. And the Kohen Yes, he did. But but but
0: but but the 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 point I'm trying to make is is that and the Rambam makes when the Kohen dies, everybody feels a sense of loss. It's loss on a communal level. Even that brother who the big obsession in his life was killing this guy who, who, who didn't fasten himself to the roof, he's gonna feel that. And he's gonna realize we're all in mourning. Because he also felt a connection there. The only thing that's gonna stop him from being in this state of vengeful mourning is when a a huge mourning occurs. The mourning of the whole Jewish people. For the most beloved figure that they had, when that occurs, that's the thing that can settle that individual pain, and that's why we can that's why we believe it'll work,
1: and that's what we say to a person when it comes to yes, that's what we say when someone loses someone.
0: Right now, you're not ready to hear that. But God should guide you that eventually you'll see the death of this person as part of a world that, that is, that is imperfect. A world that mourns Zion, that mur- mourns the fact we don't have a Beisavitosh. Right now, and that's what we tell the Avell. You spend time talking about the person, hearing the person cry, going over the, uh, the details of that person's death. And when you leave, you say, right now you're not ready. But God should allow you to see this pain that you're in as part of the general pain of betoch sharvel And that maybe will allow you to go forward. Look, everybody has talked about what we're all going through, not only the people that, we've, that have been lost, but again, the situation that we're in. And in that way, I think that's a good message that g- connecting to the whole larger community allows us to overcome these things, which are so deep and essential within us. So have a good yon to Rabbi Isai. We'll see you on the other. We'll- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.